0: Hey, good morning, everybody! It's good to see you all. Glad you're here. Had a great time in the first service. I'm expecting it's going to be even better this time. Hey, uh, we um, we have been having a lot of to- a lot of fun in our tribe already. You know, they're just getting kicked off. But I felt I woke up Monday morning because I go to tribe on Sunday night, and I just felt this sense of peace. And I was like, what is this peace coming from?" And I I thought, "Wow." I just felt really it felt really nice being in tribe with people and just just being able to be re, relaxed, not leading it, not teaching it, just being able to be present and knowing that I'm not the only parent that's fi- trying to figure out, am I parenting well? Like how do you do this thing? Like you think you got it, and then one day they throw a throw a, a curveball and you don't got it. So it's just good to be around others who are going through the same things and going on the same track and the same journey, and we're all trying to figure it out, right? But same with everything. So Hey, I want to uh, also talk about men's conference. We have men's conference coming up October 5th, trying to get all the men in the house there. Hey, what this is not is a night for ladies to come try to find a single man, so no ladies are welcome in the house. All men. Going to be a lot of competition, a uh, great message from my pastor coming, uh, Pastor Eddie Freeman of uh, Gateway Church, and I am excited. We have a lot of giveaways as well, some really, uh, really... Like awesome giveaways, by the way, um, but I can't tell you what they are. They pro- they told me to promise not to, and so we want you to come for the word, not for the competition and the awesome food that we're going to have either, so, uh, but Pastor Christian also has a great uh, experience in the worship set, too. We're going to have a lot of fun there, kind of get, get to get loose and, and have fun because it's just dudes, just dudes, and so, uh, ladies... Your men need it, so get them there. Make sure, like, hey, I'm going to pay the $15 to get my husband there. He needs Jesus. And so go ahead and we'll, we'll give him cram full of the full of Holy Spirit and send him back home, and he'll be good for one day. So it's all good. Well, uh, we are in our series, uh, By the Grace of God. We started a couple of weeks ago. This is week three. Started with mercy, and then we started into the conversation about salvation. And the reason I have a burden for this series was because, one, we don't know. We don't haven't grown, grown to understand the fullness of what grace is, and all of grace, all of what grace has for us. And so many of us have just settled for this salvation, and, and, I, and that's a huge thing. If you get nothing else, that, that's that's awesome. However, we, I want to make sure you understand what salvation is, so that you know what it is that you're walking into. But also, I want you to know, understand that salvation with grace has a lot more to it than what we oftentimes settle for. And so we need to know what we're in for, but we also need to know what we have. It's like, uh, I don't know if you probably have a car, these new cars, they have tons of features and you use probably a third of them, but but man, you have all this other stuff you could be using. Or there's just all these attributes that uh, are beneficial to you. And so uh, next week we're going to start talking about the empowerment of grace and that's where most of the, any believers actually need to understand the empowerment you have by grace, but you really need to understand salvation. And so, because there's different um, thoughts about salvation, I thought it'd be wise for me to spend two weekends and bring some clarity. I could probably spend a year, but spend two weekends bringing clarity according to what the Word says and, and emphasis on the book of John. And so, last week, I'm going to review a little bit, I want to, Talk to you, the, the title of this message is Known Unto Salvation, and that's very important that you understand that, one, you need to be known, but then also, you need to know Christ, and I mean really know Christ according to His ways, and so uh, the first point I'm going to get right into is, is knowing it is finished. We got to know that we know that we know that it is finished, and you need to know that you know that you know that it's finished in your life, and so I'm going to give you some scriptural. Uh, grammar, if you will, and don't check out on me, but uh, if you look at this, salvation, we have to understand that Jesus was, Jesus is, and Jesus is to come, and Jesus is the manifestation of salvation, like he he is salvation, like he's, you don't have salvation without Jesus, and so you need to understand he was, oh he is, and one day he will come, and so also you have been saved, you are being saved, and one day you will be saved. So you need to understand, if you have been saved, you've been saved. Uh, you also need to know that you're in the process, too, it's called sanctification, of being saved because you're not perfect and you got a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to be done on you. And then one day you will be because you'll no longer be on earth and, and you'll be in, with, within the presence of Christ. But then you've been saved from the penalty of sin, good news, because you don't have to pay, your own, pay for your own sins. That's what Jesus did on the cross, so you've been saved from that, past tense. You're also now being saved from the power of sin because there's still power of sin in this earth. That's where temptation comes from. That's where many of our trials come from. There is still a, it's still a, a, a corrupted earth that we are living in, but one day, good news, you'll be saved from the presence of sin because when Jesus returns, there will be no sin. Hallelujah. And then you need to know that you've been, if you've been saved, that you've been saved in spirit. Your soul is being converted because your soul wants to do things that don't, that, that actually conflict with what you've received, which is salvation. That's why san- that's why sanctification is so important because you're being delivered, saved from the power of sin because your soul wants to do some things, but your your spirit's saying, "Oh, don't do that. Mm-mm. That's not what we do. That's not who we are. Let's remember what we're here for." But then one day your body will be fully saved. You'll have a resurrected body. So we need to understand this. There's some other past tense words that help you to know where you're at. And, and throughout Scripture says that you're saved, that you've been redeemed, that you've been justified, that you've been sanctified, that you've been accepted, that you've been purified. Do you notice these are all E.D. words, past tense? This is yes and this is no. You can even give me a thumbs up or you can give me a thumbs down, but I'll understand what you're talking about. But you've also been washed and you've been forgiven. Good news. I can rest on that. If I know where I am in salvation, then I know where I am with past tense, where I am with present tense, and where I am with future tense. I went through this in length last week, and so if you missed, you can go back and watch on YouTube or livewithpurpose.church to catch up, and I think you should because, again, you really need to get this thing about salvation so that you can have a strong foundation because everything that you do after coming to Christ in salvation is built on the foundation that you have and if the work of the enemy can cause you to falter in any area of your salvation, then you'll never walk in the fullness of who God's called you and created you to be because you always sink back into am I or am I not, is I or ain't I, should or I shouldn't I. So you need to know that you know that you know so that you can know whenever you start going forward and times do get tough and they will get tough, you need to know from where you stand and, what and on whom you stand. So John 6, 37, 39, I'm paraphrasing. You can go back and watch last week, but we, we'd said uh, John was setting up context for, uh, for us to understand salvation. The one who comes to me, Jesus says, I will by no means cast out. So good news, he's not going to cast you out if you've come to him. Uh, 39, all he, the Father, has given me, Christ, I should lose nothing. Good news, he's not going to lose you. You can wander away all you want, but if you're in him and you've come to him, he's not going to lose you. He's going to come after you with his rod and his staff saying, Hey, hey, where are you going? Come back back over here. Whoa, 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 come back over here. You're you're getting getting lost, but come back because I'm not going to lose you. John 10, sorry, John 6, 50. He says, this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. Great, whenever you come and you partake of the manna of heaven, which is Jesus, when you truly partake of him, you come to him, you're not going to die. John 10, 27, 29. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. That's good news because he knows you. Like he... If you're a sheep, he knows you. Like, he knows your flaws. He knows your character. He knows your nature. He knows your tendencies. Like, I've got five goats at my house. All five of them are different. I know exactly what, which one's tendency is to do what. I know which one's going to get out of the pen. But I also know that thing, same goat's going to get back in the pen, so I don't have to worry about putting it back in the pen. I know exactly what they're going to do. I know which one's going to try to be the alpha. I know which one's going to be in, getting stubborn and doing other things. I know them. He knows you. He's not afraid of that. And he loves you. And he pursues you. He says, I won't cast you out. He says, I won't lose whatever belongs to me. And he says, no one can take, it, take you from me. He says, they know me and they follow me. Or I know them and they follow me. That's a good news. But it also is a heart check. Because they follow. We follow him. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Let me just tell you, if you don't know much about this world and the spirit world, there is demonic in this world, and the demonic is always trying to lead us astray and snatch us, but Jesus says, if you belong to me, and if you're my sheep, and you hear my voice, and you follow me, then I'm not going to let anything of the demonic snatch you out of my hands. This is what he's saying. Did you read it? He's not going to lose you. He's not going to cast you out. And he's sure, if you're his, it's not going to let anything snatch you away from him. Very comforting. Very good to know. But I need to know, am I his? John 15, 7 and 8. I'm missing a verse. I'm skipping some verses because I'm going to come back and bring, some, uh, bring a challenge to all of this. 15, 7 and 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you... Okay, he's given us some evidence because we have to do some abiding because his, my, his words will abide in us. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Here's where that comes from. He begins to, as we abide in him and his word is abiding in us, meaning I've got his word in my heart, and I'm going to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and I'm going to spend time with him. And then his desires are going to become my desires. And because my relationship is so intimate with him, I don't know that my desires have become his desires and vice versa. And when I begin to pray, I'm praying his desires and it will be done because ultimately it's his will. We'll build into that. The number two point in this is knowing how it is finished. You need to know that it is finished, but you also need to know how it is finished. And so there's a tension about salvation as to whether we can lose it or where we can't. And this has actually caused a lot of division in the church. You want me to tell you what the most important is? That you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and he is your Lord and Savior and you understand that he died on the cross, he was dead three days, and he rose again. And you live a life that looks like you believe it. That's it. Okay, now that I said that, let me give you the tension about the confusion on John 15. John 15, 1 and 2, this is where it starts to set in of, wait a minute, you can, be, you can lose your salvation. I am the vine, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, this is what they say. Oh, you see, you were in him, but, you, but he took you away because you didn't do what he wanted. Moving on. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So good news here, no matter what, you're going to get pruned. In one in one sentence or one context, you're going to get pruned and taken away, and, you know, you're going to be destroyed. And the other is, great, you're bearing fruit, and you're going to be pruned so that you can bear more fruit. Either way, it's going to be painful. The good news is you want to be on the side of fruit-bearing pain. You know, that that's, that's the type you don't that's the side you want to be on, good news. I'm doing so much, like I'm, I'm living, I'm really producing good fruit, like I'm bearing good fruit, rather. Well, great. Let me, let me trim you and challenge you a little bit so that you can bear more fruit. Well, but, this is what, what, actually, what, but what is Jesus actually referring to? Uh, because we don't understand it as Western Americans, American Christians. But the audience that he was speaking to actually did understand the context of what he was talking about. And this is why John had already created context like John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. John 6 as we read. John 10 as we read. In John 17 even he continues. Even in John 15 there's some parts. So in the book of John, he has been creating context to bring a clarity to a truth, but right here, when Jesus starts to talk about this thing that we just read, he's referring to something that the Jews would have already known he was talking about. We don't get it. We don't understand. He's reading about Isaiah 5, 1 and 7. Now, Isaiah was a prophet of God in the Old Testament. And Isaiah wrote a parable about God's people. And Jesus was coming in and using it in that time modern day terminology, using the parable of Isaiah. So Isaiah wrote it this way as a prophet of God. Now let me sing to my well beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in, the, in its midst and also made a winepress in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O oh inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge please between me and my vineyard. What more could, I, could have done, been done? to my vineyard that I have not done in it. Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? Good question. And now, please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, covering and protection, and it shall be burned and break down its walls, and it shall be trampled on. Down verse 6. I will lay its waste; it shall not be pruned or dug but with, but there shall come up briars and thorns and i will also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it verse 7 for the vineyard of the lord of hosts is the house of israel and the men of judah are our fe- pleasant plant or his pleasant plant he looked for justice but behold oppression for righteousness but behold a cry for help so he's taking this parable, and Jesus is replacing the vineyard with himself. The vineyard is Israel, and Israel in this, in this time was not a geographic nation. It was a nation of people. And so he's saying, listen, you are people from God, but you're not of God. You're not a, many of you are not a people who are following God. You're not a people who are honoring the, by faith the God of Abraham in, which, in whom you have derived from. So he's saying, You're in the vineyard, but you're not of the vineyard. Need to get it. I planted something that should cultivate good grapes, but it cultivated wild grapes. And Jesus starts to replace himself with this, this, this uh, analogy of the vineyard. And he says, I am the true vine. John 1, I'm going back to John 15, 1 and 6, because the Jews would know what he's talking about. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Let me just give you context of what he just said. You're in the people of God, but you're not of God. He's saying, you're in my presence, but you're not of me. Watch. And every, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And this is another picture of being around him, but not in him. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Many times you, we will come in, believers will come in, or, or sorry, people will come in to an environment, and because of the goodness of God, he starts to bless them, and instead of coming to him in relationship and accepting him as Lord and Savior, we just receive from him, but we're not of him. I come into his presence to get, but I never give my life to him. Many people come into the church, but they never meet Jesus. Many people escape to the church from the pains of the outside world and merely find works of religion and miss the Jesus of relationships. So you can be in the church, but not of Jesus. You can be in the presence of Jesus, but not of him. This is what he's saying. He's saying, you're in my presence, but you're not of me. The words that I speak clean you up, but you haven't truly come to me. Abide in me. Here's here's where he starts to give, give direction. Abide in me, and I in you. and they are burned. So John had already given clear context. Let me just remind you John 3:16, John 3:17, John 6, John 10. And now he's about to come back around in John 15 and then again in John 7. So anytime you start to find a passage that contradicts every passage around it, it can't be the principal passage. It has to learn, it has to complement every other one. So he can't say, it, "Tell me, I'm not going he's not going to cast me out." He can't tell me he's not gonna lose me. He can't tell me that no one that somebody's gonna not gonna nobody's gonna snatch me away from him and then tell me he's gonna cast me out. Or he's gonna pull me away. Or he's gonna throw me in the fire. So there's something that is missing that I don't understand, that I need his understanding that says this must complement this. John 6, 35 and 37. He already laid the picture down. John did, Jesus did in the writings of John, John 6, 35 and 37. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me, notice it's very important, comes to me. It takes a yielding. It takes a surrender. It takes a letting go of self for him, not just being in the presence, but comes to me, shall never hunger. And he who believes in me. Shall never thirst. You need to understand. I got to come to Him, but I, and I got to believe Him. But I got to come to Him. Shall never be burnt, or sorry, never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen Me. You've been in My presence, but you didn't believe Me. This is the picture of the vineyard. Oh, you're in My vineyard, but you're not connected to Me. You're in the house, but you haven't really come to know Me. Are you seeing it? You got to get this because so many have been deceived thinking because I go to church I'm saved. And that's not the case. In the same way, just because you're in the vineyard, they were in the vineyard, doesn't mean they're connected to the vine. And the reason I have a burden for this is because, one, we need to know that we need to know, we need to know that we know that we know that, one, we have a solid foundation of salvation in Christ Jesus because everything that he offers us in, by grace is what, I, is what we are here to carry out to fulfill. His design for each one one of us here on earth, and it's not to sit in a pew. Bad news, breaking news, breaking news. Oh, Israel, he says, you were from me, but you did not entrust yourself to the God of Abraham, so you are not of me. You are not abiding in me or by me. And I don't know if you've ever seen this. Maybe you have, especially in this world, the reel or a TikTok or whatever else, a a blurb on Fox News or CNN or whoever else it is. Take a little snippet from a full context and manipulate the snippet for personal gain or for manipulation or for you fill in the blank. Never seen that before, have you? (laughs) So the full context is very important. When we read Scripture, we've got to see it through the lens in which God's, God's intended for the context to be. So, uh, chapter, I mean, verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Here he says it again, will come to me. And he, the ones who come to me, I will by no means cast out. So, it's one thing to be in, but we need to come to him. And we need to make sure that we're connected to him. It is as it is, all, as it is also with those who come into his presence but don't surrender their lives in trust and belief. Ephesians 1.11.14, we went through this last week. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. That's good news. In him we have being predestined according to the purposes of him. Listen, he has a destiny on you. He has a purpose for you. And his destiny is not only that you come to him but that you fulfill the will, fulfill the will of God in your life on earth. That's his destiny. He has not determined that for you. He gives you free will. You can choose, but I encourage you, you want to choose being coming to him and being connected to him, trusting him and believing him so that you can fulfill the predestiny that's on your life. According to the purpose of him, Christ, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. I really think that God's constantly trying to, hey, corral us according to the counsel of his will. Work your life towards Christ. The Father's trying to get 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 uh, reunited with you through Christ, and He's constantly trying to lead you to Him according to the counsel of His will. Next verse. Next, continuing, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, having believed, you were sealed. So, I've got to. I can't just believe Him i got to trust him. And when I trust him, I lay down every thought and every competing idea and every competing feeling and every competing thought that I have because I'm breathing my thoughts into the obedience of him because I trust him. Let me say it this way. There's some people you believe, but you don't trust them. Not everybody at once. But having trusted and believed, you were sealed with the holy spirit of promise good news past tense had you have you if you've trusted and believed who is the guarantee the holy spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession can you sell yourself if you belong to somebody else and been purchased by god can somebody buy you if you're not for sale he already said he's not going to turn you in for a refund. He didn't even have to put you on layaway. Anybody remember layaway? <laughs> Used to buy leather, ja- leather jackets and shoes on layaway. I can $15 this week, $15 next week. He didn't have to worry about that. On the cross, and, and when resurrected, paid the, paid, paid the price. Good news. And nobody's going to buy you out of his hands. But you've got to come to him, and you've got to trust him. You can't just believe in him. Not our own Isaiah 5 4 he says what more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it why then when I expected to bring forth good grapes did it bring forth wild grapes he's like what more what more could I do in your life like I've blessed you I have comforted you you don't even you you don't even understand the things that I've done that you've avoided because of me what more could I do for you and yet you're still not coming to me now this isn't for everybody But I'm trying to shake up some things and cause you to question so that you can get it right. Because if the enemy can get it right in your most difficult times or when you start to pursue your calling of God or your occupation or profession that you think God is is, is leading you towards, if he can get you on this one, he can make everything that God is building around you start to crumble. So you better get it right. It's worth it. Because though they were amongst the vineyard, they weren't connected to the source, Jesus. The vineyard, but not the source. James 2.19, he says, you believe there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe. They're not saved. And we run oftentimes from the pains of the world looking for a, a gentle place. And all we, we find this soft religion. We never meet Jesus, but we've been doing these works for him and not from him. And then all of a sudden somebody comes along and starts to give you some truth mixed with love and grace. And you're like, oh, that hurts. I don't like that. You're 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 speaking to my issue, my hurt, my wound. You're being mean. No, that's that's Jesus coming in to prune and to lead you to himself. You got we gotta, gotta understand. The wheat and the tares, another example. Jesus didn't plant wheat and they turned into tares. Jesus planted wheat and then the enemy sowed in the tares. Let me give you another one, Matthew 7, 21, 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. It's getting real. My question, are you doing the will of the Father in your life? Got a heart check. You self-evaluate. How does my life look? How are the things in my life? Does it look like the will of the Father for my life? There's some steps I can help you with. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? Like we did a lot of work, like we served, and we we did a lot of stuff for you. We thought this is what you do whenever you're supposed to be a believer in Christ. Let's just go and do all these things. We went to every extra prayer services. We prayed. We fasted extra. Like we prophesied over people at the gas station, and we saw some person, and we just started casting demons out of them for, in Jesus' name. Like we're we're Christians. We gotta be. Not what he says. And then I will declare to them. I just wanted to. Sit down and have relationship with you, I wanted to share hearts with you that's what this word means to have intimate intimacy with you like I never knew you like I never really got to sit down because you were always busy and I never really got to talk because every time you say you prayed you were just talking and complaining. You never were quiet enough to listen to what I had to say it was a it was a monologue instead of a dialogue and I never knew you. Like, he's pretty serious about this because he says, depart from me, who you who practice. Like, we were serving you. Like, I don't need you to do it for me. I need you to do it from me. I don't need you to be in my garden tilling around. I need you to be connected to the vine, letting me produce fruit in your life. Let me say what John said later. The same apostle that wrote the book of John, 1 John 2, 19. He says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. He's talking about his homeboys, his posse, this group that was rolling with him and talking about Jesus to others wherever they would go, town to town. Like they rode in the same limo. There were no limos. Heresy. Like they were known to roll with John and the disciples. And he's right here saying, listen, they went out from us, but they were never of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. It's the same picture. because He's not saying, yeah, they were once with us, but then they lost their salvation and no longer with us. He's saying, oh, like the wheat and the tares, it became obvious. They were all around us and they were talking good words. But when it came down to it, they weren't really of us. The place in this is, Lord, who am I of? Who am I of? Because it doesn't matter how long you've been sitting in church. It matters that you're, you're truly in intimate relationship and you're truly saved. Because you really want, and I want for you, the fullness of what grace has to offer to you. And it's another supporting evidence as well for the four, so- the four soils, the two parables, the parables uh, in Luke and, and Mark. There's three soils that don't produce fruit, but then the fourth soil, 30, 60, 100 fold. So there's some that hear, hear it and they believe and they go, oh. Then they hear it and they believe like, oh, yay, oh. And they hear it and they believe like, oh, but the worries of the world, man, my finances, my relationships, I'm going to lose some stuff, oh. But then there's the ones who really are of Christ that bear fruit, 30, 60, and a hundredfold. And number three, you need to know intimacy with the with the finisher. Following Jesus is an out is an inside out situation, not an outside in. The internal drives the, drives uh, and love and love leads. So what's inside of me starts to be obvious for what comes out of me. It's not a desire to fulfill things on the external and so I begin to look like those things. It's not a desire to to have salvation or at least it's not a desire to not go to hell because if my focus is not going to hell, I'll do just enough to think I've secured my salvation and I'll do little, little more. I'll get stuck on the hamster wheel of just, I just don't want to lose my salvation again. I just want to stay saved into that last day. And I'm so focused on not going to hell that I do very little for the kingdom of God. And therefore, I will never glorify the Father by fulfilling the will of God on my life. Ephesians 2, 8 and and 10 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Once you get saved, You get saved unto good works. You can't get saved by works, but once you get saved, it's obvious. Your heart's changed. Your life's changed. You've laid down your life for his, and now you're saved unto good works, which which is which which is what you were created for, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God created a good work for you. He's waiting for you to find him, and you finding him and having intimacy with him and being with him, he starts to give you his desires. Your desires become his desires, and now you start walking towards the very purpose in which he's created you for in advance anyway. He's working all things according to the counsel of his will right there. And it becomes obvious because I'm not responsible for producing fruit. I'm responsible for intimacy with the true vine, which is Jesus. He is responsible for producing the fruit. I am responsible for bearing the fruit, meaning my life just becomes fruitful because of the intimacy I have with Jesus. And that fruit that I'm bearing that comes from Jesus glorifies the Father and fulfills his will on my life on this earth. Intimacy is the focus. Salvation is the benefit, not trying not to go to hell. Otherwise, every Friday night and Saturday night, I'm doing what I want, and Sunday morning, I'm getting saved all again. Let me give you some other verses. Jeremiah 9.24, Old Testament prophet. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, God the Father. Philippians 3.10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Let me just tell you, when you truly get to know with, by intimacy and through in- intimacy Jesus Christ, you will begin to experience the power of that resurrection in which he is given and experienced and exposed unto us. And that is more of the measure of grace we're going to talk about because that you should know the power of his resurrection because there should be some resurrecting inside of you because there's some dying of you. Daniel 11.32 says, but the people who know their God shall be strong. Because times are going to get tough. Situations are going to want to cause you to be weak and crippled and wounded. But because of who he is and because of what we know about him, we are strong and carry out great exploits. John 17.3, and this is eternal life. That they may know you, have intimate relationship with you. This is eternal life. The, one, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Colossians 1.10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of of God. We work and work and work and toil and toil and toil to try to produce something that we were never were never meant to produce. And all we have to do is come to him. All ye who are weary and heavy laden in intimacy and relationship, he will give you rest and you'll learn what it is that you've been created for so that you can walk in it with his power. He makes it really easy. We overcomplicate this thing. 1 John 5, 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true and His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Let me tell you a a psalm by David. He was prophesying this. David knew hard times. He knew abandon. He knew the ups and downs of this journey, but he knew his father. Psalms 62, 5 and 8 says, my soul waits silently for God. Wait silently for God alone. For my expectation is from him. So some of you just need to get in his presence and be quiet. Your soul is loud and you're just, all these emotions are flaring up and you're just all riled up inside like some fireworks. And he's trying to talk to you and calm you and condition you according to his will and love you. And he can't get through the noise you got going on inside. My soul waits silently. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I don't have to defend myself against you or any other situation in life. And you don't have to defend yourself. He will. He will. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my, one version says, Honor. Because he honors those who honor him, it's a byproduct. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. I'm going to give you seven simple principles to maintain, to cultivate, maintain this intimacy of knowing God. Which provides true understanding of salvation. Number one, read the Bible. Shouldn't be is. Read the Bible as a blueprint for life. Like, dudes, you grab, so, you grab something new, we grab something new. Like, we don't need those instructions. We start building stuff and we don't read the instructions until there's three screws and a peg. And the thing's wobbly. <laughs> Hey, we laugh, but our life looks like that sometimes. And all we had to do was go to his blueprint and say, what does the word say about this? Oh, yeah, that's what I need to do. Read his word. Just spend the time. Spend, spend the time. Read his word. Here's my blueprint. Here's what I do. That way I don't have more parts left. Anything is faltering. It's failing. Number two, gain knowledge of his testimonies as you would a friend. Wow, that really happened in your life? Wow. That really t- Wow. You you really did that? Wow. As I'm reading his word. Wow. God really really won that victory. All they did was worship and he beat their enemy. Wow. He healed them. Wow. He delivered them. Wow. He set their son free. Wow. It's not a story. It's a reality. And then I have to trust that his character and nature are the same for me. God, if you, if you did that in their life, then I, you, I know you can do it in my life too. And then I start to wrap my thoughts around that and my decision-making around that thing because it's his testimony, it's his character, and it's his nature. And I see it as a finished product according to his word and his will. I have to get this thing right so that this thing starts to quiet down a little bit and not be so loud and distracted. I'm building intimacy with God. I'm building intimacy with Jesus. So I know him and he knows me. Number four, meet him and spend intentional time with him. Like, show up and be with him. Like, if you have kids, you're not going to leave them at school thinking, well, they'll be there tomorrow. CPS would be calling you. Meet him. Set a time intentionally and you show up. He's there. Another one. Talk to him. Express what's on your heart. Talk to it. He's okay with it. You're mad at your spouse? Great. Don't put it on them. Put it on him. He's good. You're mad at your kids, you don't understand. Good. You're mad at your boss? Good. You're mad at me? Good. Take it to him. But then be quiet. And listen, he's got some great things to say. He's full of solutions. In fact, he can open your mind to see things you could never understand and lead you to places that you would never go, but because of faith and intimacy with him and learning to trust and believe him beyond yourself because you are not your God, or are you? Let him be God. And number seven, build community with others who It's evident you have intimacy with, with Jesus. It's evident you're saved because of the, the life of fruitfulness that you're bearing. I want to get to know you, which is why we have Thrive Tribes. I need people around me that are doing life to get to know him so that when I'm weak, I can glean from their strength. And I need a place, which I love my small group already, that I can go in and just be relaxed. And I'm not Pastor Nathan. I'm not the teacher. I'm not the leader. I'm the learner. And many of you are also going through or have gone through something and you have testimony that your brothers and sisters in your family of Christ need to drift off of your faith, off of your strength, off of your hope, off of your testimony that God gave you not because you're so good but because he's so good and they need that from you and they need you to show up in small group. God did not save you into isolation. He saved you into community. And it's about community that we live and it's about community that we serve and it's about him that we have intimacy and do everything from and not for. You good? Can I pray for you real quickly? Father, we just thank you so much. And Holy Spirit, I just pray to those areas of where we may have misunderstanding about our salvation personally, or we have a misunderstanding about who we are or who we say you are, or we have a misunderstanding of how you provide, you protect, how your presence is so real in our lives and how you desire us. Father, in any area where we're weak in an understanding of grace, Father, I pray that you speak to that right now this, this morning. Pray for an impartation of hope and joy, Lord, clarity and confidence. so your people truly walk in confidence of who you are and who you say you are because of intimacy that they have with you. And I pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen.